Good Morning Liberty. Well, what is up, everybody? This is the Good Morning Liberty podcast. My name is Nate, and over there is Charlie. Charlie, what's going on, dude? Oh, you know, just living the dream on this wonderful Friday morning. It's still morning. Is it Friday today? Yeah, today's Friday. Until you said that, I thought that it was Thursday, to tell you the truth. You can come in tomorrow. I had erased yesterday from my memory because of that awful, awful Cowboys game we watched last night. It's You know, I don't understand sports all that much. I don't know why people care about them, but I do. And I guess maybe it's something that you grow up watching, you just kind of I don't know is there a choice can you, you really just choose become, after that you become emotionally attached to yeah. a group of guys fighting over leather that's weird <laughs> like hey let's watch let's watch 22 millionaires duke it out on this field <laughs> you know like that that's what you want to do yeah. so that's what we did last night and the wrong batch of millionaires won unfortunately <laughs> uh, the other group of millionaires some of them might not have jobs uh, pretty soon hopefully Hopefully, I'll you just know, say that nobody uh, ever complains about the millions that they make. I know, isn't that isn't that weird? What do you think those players made an hour last night? Did, can we get those figures up um, in comparison to the janitors that work at the stadium after the game? Can we compare what their it's, hourly earnings were? It's a lot more. It's got to be um, several hundred times more per but hour, I would guess. After last night, I. I hate to say this because I've been a Cowboys fan for my entire life. I hate to say this, but after last night, I'm wondering, are the Cowboys still America's team? (laughs) I don't, you know, I I don't know what qualifies you as America's team other than the fact that so many people watch the games. I mean, they have the best ratings all the time. Last night, they looked like Canada's team. Yeah, I don't, you know, I don't. Or Mexico's team. Someone else's team was playing. Must have Um, been Mexico's team. Some college's team, I think. Uh, I don't know if they're America's team or not, and I don't know how you get that qualification other than the fact that your ratings are really high, so more people are watching your games all the time, uh, and maybe that qualifies you as America's team. I don't know. I don't know. You know, they didn't set, they didn't bestow that upon themselves. That was actually NFL Films back in the uh, 70s, I think. NFL Films nicknamed them America's team in one of their specials that they did. It was never like. Because they won you know, three. Did they win three? No. Uh, two, I think, at that time. And they won one in the 80s. I don't know about that. We'll have to, we'll have to check on no, that. Two in the 70s. Two in the 70s. Three, three in, the in the 90s. Yeah. So anyway, this is the Good Morning Liberty podcast where we do not talk about football ever, <laughs> except for today. Uh, if this is your first time listening and you've heard our first ever sports commentary that, that we ever give, maybe one other time. I don't know. What's wrong with talking about the Cowboys? Um, they're either, either you love them or you hate them. Bring on the haters. Technically, statistically, more people hate them than love them, I think. But they have more people that love them than any of the other teams do. So so both things are true. It's the haters that bring up the ratings. Yeah. They're is. watching to see if they if they lose. <laughs> There's uh, this funny meme going around. It's pretty hilarious, by the way. I'm going to stick with Cowboys for just a second. Okay. Pretty funny meme going around that has uh, a picture of all the um, – quarterbacks that have beaten the Cowboys and they're all just like around a circle, like looking in to you. And yeah, it says just checking to see if y'all still them boys. <laughs> <laughs> they're not. Yeah, they're not. They're not them boys. Whatever. Whatever. Um, yeah, I'm going to quit watching. I quit football 
after this year. You know, we're supposed to go to Dallas. I know. We're going to Dallas. We're still going to Dallas. Yeah. And we were going to check out the game a game while we were there on yeah. Sunday, the end of the year. We're going. We're Are going we still to going a game. to the game? I'm, yeah. I, I'm not going to pay a thousand bucks to see the Predators when they're going to play 20 minutes away from here. So <laughs> I, we're going to a Cowboys game if okay. we're going to Dallas. If All I'm right. going to Dallas, we're going to a Cowboys game. All right. Well, book the tickets then. Yeah. Um, I don't know what you're waiting for. Hey, subscribe to this podcast and also the Talking Cowboys podcast. If you guys want to listen to something <laughs> else, uh, you can do that. Subscribe to the podcast. You'll get a new episode every single day of the week. We promise. That is our guarantee, except for weeks where we don't do an episode every single day of the week those are the those are the times you won't get one so go on your favorite podcast app hit that subscribe button and learn some liberty with us where we're just going to talk about the free market about individualism about self-ownership greediness yeah the government corruption we're going to talk about greed we're going to rail against socialism and we're going to give you maybe some talking points that that you you don't have right now that you haven't thought of or you haven't heard anyone put it quite as elegantly as we're going to put it elegantly or eloquently eloquently well <laughs> both. you know those are both words yeah. i think i'm very elegant yeah <laughs> i don't know if you've seen me i'm eloquent yeah okay <laughs> hey look the other thing is in in case you guys are looking for some you know just a group of uh, or if you're looking for a podcast where you just have your, you know, your beliefs stroked, that's not going to happen <laughs> here, by the way, because we're also going to challenge you to live a better life. Yeah. Uh, to take responsibility for your actions, to take responsibility for where you're at in your own life and be a better person. And we also, you know, through all of this free market stuff and anti-government stuff, if you want to call it that, not anti-government, but anti-big government. Uh, through all of that, it really is about being as free as you can possibly be to you so you can live the best life possible, because who cares about all this liberty talk if it doesn't enhance your life? We're, you know, we're all about human life being as e, like the most enjoyable possible. Well, yeah, if, if liberty and free markets and self-ownership meant that more people were going to starve to death and it would just be death and despair and more murder and starvation, I don't think I would be pushing for it quite as hard as I am right now. No, we push for this because it is the best thing for the most amount of people. It's the toughest message to sell because you're telling people that you need to be responsible for your life, that no one else is responsible for what happens in your life. Uh, That if something bad is happening, you gotta find a way to get out of that. And that's a tough message to sell when you've got people on the other side saying, hey, don't worry about it. If you mess up, we got it, no problem. Everything's gonna be fine. I'm gonna take money from that guy and give it to you. It's a, you're, we're at a hard sell right now. This is very difficult. What's funny is I actually think it's, one, I think it's a really hard message to sell as as far as like self-ownership and responsibility goes. But then two, I think it's an easy message to sell like for yourself. Yeah. If that makes sense. Because like the message of don't hurt people and don't take their stuff, that's a pretty easy message to sell. Like yeah. we believe in not hurting people and don't take their stuff. That's pretty easy. That's pretty easy. Yeah. But that requires everyone else not hurting people and not taking their stuff too. Everyone you know, all at the same time. Every Yeah. Everyone yeah. has to have the same desire to be left alone. Yeah. And not rely on, you know, big, bad government to come in and save the day. Because guess what? They just make things worse. 
they that's do. what we do. We prove that to you. Go to BernieLies.com, LizLies.com. All, all, everyone in government, almost everyone in government lies. Lies.com. They lie. <laughs> not only do they lie, but they're out for themselves, by the way. Yeah. They're not out for you. They're no. not out there to help you. So it's time to take care of your own damn self. Is it also time to do the news? It is, or I'm just going to keep ranting. Yeah. Oh, so, we'll rant. We got some more ranting going on today. Keep me on schedule today. It's Friday. <laughs> All right. Do you want to take us through a little bit of this, uh, I guess, good news? This is good news. Is this from good news? No, this is from Fox Business. Yeah. But there is a, is there a goodnews.com? There's a good news network. Good news network. Yeah. And I, it's .com or .org. Okay. I can't remember. There's also humanprogress.org. Yeah. For some other good news. I'm sorry. There's, there's motion at my front door. I was just looking at my ring. Oh, okay. right there. Yeah. So, wow, to, you must to, be rich. Yeah. So much money. It's crazy. <laughs> um, anyway, let me get on to some good news from Fox Business. Besides Nate being rich, you know, I still I don't even live in a house. Yeah, that's true. <laughs> <laughs> All right. From Fox Business, this is U.S. job growth roars back in November with 266,000 jobs added. So U.S. hiring surged in November as the economy added 266,000 jobs and unemployment returned to a half-century low, a sign the U.S. is powering through the global slowdown. The payroll number easily topped the estimate of 180,000 from economists surveyed by Rafatinif who also saw the unemployment rate holding steady <laughs> from October's 3.6%. That's what refinity. I don't know what that means. Refinitive. Refinitive. Okay. Some would pronounce it refinitives. Some would pronounce it refinitive. All right. It marks the 110th month. It marks the 110th month of straight gains. Like going to the gym, get them gains, baby. <laughs> Unemployment ticked down slightly to 3.5% as more people were looking for work, matching a 50-year low. The labor force participation rate was little changed at 63.2%. Average hourly earnings, meanwhile, rose by 3.1% over the past year to 28.29. Now, there's an important, just before you get through the rest of this, there's an important statistic in there. In the in, labor in, force participation in the same, rate. In the same, there's two sentences back to back right here. One of them completely disproves the other one. By the way, right. it says unemployment ticked down slightly to 3.5% as more people were looking for work, matching the 50-year low, but the labor force participation rate was little changed at 63.2%. So the unemployment number went down, but the labor force participation rate stayed the same. Which could be, I mean, <laughs> that could make sense, though, if there were more people entering the labor market. Yeah, yeah. So, it could, yeah. yeah. If that's how you want to spin it. Well, I'm just saying it's possible because, you know, 63.2% of a million is is higher than 63.2% of 900,000. It is. I, so, I agree. I agree with you. It's possible that there are more people entering. Yeah, I'm not saying that this isn't good news. It's just always important to point out the fact that we all know that the unemployment number basically is means bogus. nothing. Yeah. It's so it, bogus. It doesn't tell you the actual story. So the labor force participation rate is 63.2% of people that are able to work, Yes. by the way. Yes. 
So most people don't work. Well, actually, most people do work. At the, almost half of people do not work. Yeah. <laughs> Just crazy to me. Yeah. Um, and hourly earnings, meanwhile, rose by 3.1% over the past year to 28.29. So that doesn't sound like a bad salary. Sounds higher than $15 an hour. Yeah, it does. It's it's interesting that the average hourly earnings in the U.S. is it's 20, $28 an hour. Yeah. Um, that's not something that I think most people realize, you know, that that's a pretty good average earnings. Now, a lot of people earn less than that, but that doesn't mean that there aren't also a lot of people that earn well above the minimum wage and, and also well above that average, or at least around that average. Which by the way, if you're making $28 an hour or above, you're in the top 1% in the world. Oh yeah. Easily. Absolutely. Like easily in the top 1%. You're, that might put you in the top 20% in the US, top 25%, something like yeah. that. Uh, that Cause that would be around uh, maybe $50,000 a year, something like that. So all you average people out there, yeah, you're actually not average. Yeah, good job. You're above average on the earth, good job. So continuing from the article, revisions, meanwhile, added 41,000 jobs for the prior two months, bringing the three-month average to 205,000, a 10-month high. September increased by 13,000 to 193,000, and October jumped by 28,000 to 156,000. Still, job growth on average is slower than it was in 2018. The 2019 monthly average is 180,000 jobs per month, compared with an average gain of 223,000 last year. <laughs> Good job. Thanks, man. Good job. You sounded just like a real news anchor at that point in time. You look like one, too. Well, Nate, back to you. <laughs> <laughs> Thanks, Charlie. Well, in, in completely unrelated news, check this out. This is my favorite, by this the way. This is great. This, this from, is my favorite of the day. This is from Newsweek. Let's just end on this one. <laughs> this is all we... We can't top this story. No drop, way. Drop that mic after you read this. <laughs> <laughs> a banana duct taped to a wall sells for $120,000 at Art Basel, Miami. Might be... Is that... Basil? basil. It's maybe basil, but uh, you Basel. Basel. It's maybe. Basel. Yeah. Okay. Basel, Miami. Yes. So banana duct taped to a wall. Okay. So, so from Newsweek, a banana duct taped to a wall has sold for $120,000 at the Art ba Basel, Miami, the international art fair featuring works by acclaimed and emerging artists. Another edition of the concept art is expected to sell for $150,000. <laughs> the humorous minimalist artwork comes from, man, we should be humorous minimalist artists, by the way. We should. Why don't we just do that? Yeah. Comes from Italian artist Maurizio Catellan. Cat, okay. And is titled Comedian. And, uh, you know, for those of you guys watching on the live show, I'm really sorry we don't have a photo to pull up for you. And if you're listening on the podcast, just imagine, like, just take a banana and then duct tape it to your wall and then look at that. And say, look at say, this. Say, look at this. Look at that banana. And that's what it looks like. So two editions of the banana and duct tape art were presented by French Contemporary Gallery, gallery Periton at Art Basel. I think it's Periton. <laughs> on Wednesday, <laughs> and both sold for $120,000 a piece. Artnet reports the first edition was 
was purchased by a French woman in the second edition by a French man on Wednesday. Why'd they have to come to Miami to purchase a banana duct taped to a wall? That's what I want to know. A la petite. <clears throat> I don't know what that means, but... <laughs> Small. Yeah. <laughs> According to Artnet, after the sales of the first two editions, Peritine Gallery founder Emmanuel Peritine called... Catellan, and they agreed to sell a third edition for $150,000. And this just in, Charlie and I have agreed to sell the fourth edition for $149,000. That's if, right. If anyone wants to find yourself a discount banana duct tape to a wall, then we will be putting that on our merch store very soon. But Actually, you know we'll what? sell a banana duct tape to a wall kit, and you can make your own art. We're not greedy like Amazon, though, so we're going to charge you for shipping. Exactly. You have to pay shipping. You can't get that two-day free prime shipping. (laughs) So anyway, uh, are you running a promo on that, by the way? No. No, this is art. Yeah, no. There's no percentage off on art? No way. Somebody better offer more than $149,000 for the fourth edition. (laughs) It just keeps getting better. It's funny that the same guy, the same artist, has to create these editions. Yeah, it has to be from him. Now, how long does this art last? Not, By not the that way. long. It's not going to last that long. You now, it'll, it, the remains will stay taped to that wall forever. We know that. We all yeah. know that. It'll, and it'll pull the, the paint off the wall or, or whatever it's attached to. But that banana, uh, this is going to be one smelly piece of art. Pretty, it is. Pretty quickly. Oh, yeah. and this just in. Sorry, I just got this in my ear. Hang on. Yep. Oh, <laughs> fruit flies are free okay good wow good can we come up with some other kind of fruit to duct tape to a wall is this really what you need to do to become rich these days i guess so this you know it's it's interesting that french people are buying this because then it makes me think of postmodernism and subjectivity and all and all of those things you know it makes me wonder if the eiffel tower really is an iconic (laughs) no no it's not duct tape to anything come on (laughs) yeah I wonder if it's held together by duct tape. It better be. <laughs> so, um, yeah, just this is uh, this is subjectivity at its finest. When you th- you know that's what art is. Obviously, well, art is subjective. It is to someone. They thought that this was art, and it was somehow worth one hundred and fifty thousand dollars, and they paid for it. Now, to me, it's not worth anything, or it's worth whether or not I can take it off and safely eat it today. Like that's what it would be worth. Like right. what's that, like 20 cents probably for that banana. And that's it. That's all it's worth to me. And it just kind of shows you the, the actual subjectivity of pricing in, in itself. The things are worth what people, what it's worth to the people, what their value is. There's no specified worth on anything. Like if you were to add a value to this banana and duct tape scenario, it would be like under $5 probably. So, Well, how much is the wall? I don't know. I don't know if you get a wall with it when you purchase it. I don't know what the rules are. on. Does he come to your house and personally duct tape the banana to your wall? Does he, this, is, this is information we need to have. How do you know if it's the first, second, or third edition? I don't know. I don't know. Hmm. Huh. Well, um, and, you know, how many bunches did of bananas we, does he have? Did we reach out to our uh, Italian artist, Ma- Maurizio Catalan. Catalan. That's good. Did we reach out to him for comment? Uh, I I did. and We he, haven't received no, a response. The, okay. The, the artist has not replied to our request. Okay. So that you take that for what you want. Okay. That means it's something bad. 
Okay. I love I love that it's titled comedian. Yeah. <laughs> so now this guy has made three hundred. Sorry, three uh, four hundred and twenty thousand dollars. Yeah, and that's very little startup cost for that business. Too, yeah, just so you yeah. know. But anyway, I mean, I don't know. I just thought that was a funny story. That's so a great story. I stuck it in there. It's amazing. Uh, you want to start this one and I'll get the video pulled up for it? Yeah. So this is coming from the HuffPost, the Huffington Post. Brits can't believe U.S. healthcare costs in viral video. Quote, shut the fridge. <laughs> that's a, that's a, can we get that one more time? <laughs> Brits can't believe U.S. healthcare costs in viral video. Is there a price for that? Shut yes. the fridge. Jeez. Um, a hundred dollars, two hundred dollars, two and a half grand. Yeah, yeah. Okay. Ambulance call out. How much do you think that costs? Zero payment. Zero payment. Yeah, zero payment. No, it oh, costs two and a half thousand dollars. For for real? Yeah. Oh, okay. Cool. <laughs> you look. You look. <laughs> An inhaler. A hundred dollars. Yeah, you're pretty close. It's a bit more. Hundred twenty. 250 to 350. For an inhaler? Mm. Yes. Man, so if you're poor, you're dead. I know that it's like public health care in the UK. In the US, fortunately, I'm able to get health care through my parents, their jobs, but like I carry an EpiPen. And I know that like the cost of that has just been rising. Mm -hmm. So like there's like very few companies that even compete. So it's sort of like a monopoly for the EpiPen. Um, even though like we have insurance, it cost my parents about a couple hundred, even with insurance. So two EpiPens, okay. how much do you reckon they are? $80. 600 $40? I'm afraid not. More? More. $100? More. 150 More. 250 More. Shh. Shut the fridge. More. <laughs> £300. $600? What? Why? That's a very good question. $600? Yeah. For me, it's more like just hives and shortness of breath. Yeah. So it wouldn't be like an immediate death situation, but like, so I've been fortunate I've not had to use it, mm. but it's something like keep on me. Like I have my backpack right now, I have it on me. Cost of childbirth. Jesus. Um, 50 grand, something ridiculous now? Yeah, see, I've, I've, blown, I've blown the figures up on your head now, haven't yeah, I? Because yeah. they're larger. It's The highest, generally speaking, is about 30 grand. Okay, okay. Uh, I oh, is that reasonable? You're happy it's not with that? not reasonable <laughs> at all. <laughs> it's just like now we're on, like a, we're on yeah, a benchmark. Yeah, we're on a 100, 200? Dollars? Yeah. Uh, the average is about 10 grand. It can go up to 30,000. 10 grand? <laughs> For a baby? Well, yeah, well, I guess. <laughs> How much is your child worth? Yeah. It's a good question. Well, is that like yeah. the same everywhere? Yeah, the average is about $10,000, yeah. That's mad. Mm. Oh, no thanks. <laughs> um, okay, Short no thanks. Fridge. In which case, the coil, IUD, contraception. Yeah. How much do you think that costs? For one person yeah. to implant... A grand? Yeah, a little bit higher. Really? Yeah, $1,300. Oh. Mental. I wonder if you could tell me how expensive you think calling an ambulance out to your location is in America. I guess it depends on like where you live. <laughs> uh, it really does. Um, I is there a price for that? Yes. Jeez. A um, hundred dollars? Two hundred dollars? Two and a half grand. For what? Why? <laughs> why? Give birth by C-section yeah. and you would like to hold your baby after you've given birth to it. Actually, yeah, that's what you do. <laughs> yeah. You have to pay to do that? Yes. To hold my own child that I've been carrying mm. inside of my womb. <laughs> Say something else. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry, I was. 
but yes, <laughs> yes. Jeez. It's not actually that expensive. Right. <laughs> Charging me. I'm going to punch you. Yeah. Um, not you, but yeah. the doctor. Um, like a hundred dollars. Forty dollars. Forty dollars. For skin on skin contact. <laughs> what do you think of the NHS? Literally the gift that keeps on giving. Literally. Literally. People are so dumb for taking advantage of it. And I don't want it to change. Finally, does it make you grateful for the NHS? Absolutely, absolutely. I mean, I didn't know how much uh, free healthcare we got, like, just off the bat, but, like, knowing you have to pay, like, 30 grand for a child, it's outrageous. It really is ridiculous. So, thank you, NHS. Okay. All right, so that's enough of that. Shut the fridge! <laughs> well, first off, the, my first reaction is they're all talking about how uh, all of these, um, how it's free, and how they don't have to pay for it. I mean, that's not true. They, they pay taxes, and the taxes pay for it. Well, night. The, so the NHS is just a gift that keeps on giving. Yeah, it's just free. It's a whole bunch of doctors and hospitals that all exist where they don't take any money whatsoever from anyone, right? They get paid in <clears throat> fairy dust. That's exactly what it is. <laughs> so that's the that's the weird thing is that you can take people's money when they earn money, and then provide them some kind of service, and they will literally think that it's free at that point in time. <clears throat> Well, and if you are poor, you're not paying any taxes anyway. So yeah. for you, it is yeah, actually it is. free. It is at that point in time. Yeah. So there's a lot of things we can say about why those costs are so high. Yes. And what we should first say, uh, what we always say, is um, costs are too high in the U.S. The, yes. The, the healthcare system costs too much. And charges like skin-on-skin -skin contact are absolutely absurd. Yeah, I don't know. And I don't know what the, you know... As far as $40 goes for charging for that, like, well, they I've really, seen it higher. They really needed the extra 40 bucks at that point in time. I can't figure out why they had to charge for that. That's a weird one, you that, know? That pays for, like, almost an hour worth of a nurse being there. I guess so. You know? Yeah, I guess so. so. Yeah, and that's sure. actually what the charge is for. It's it's a nursing charge. I got you. Okay. For skin-on-skin -skin contact because a nurse is there. Interesting. Now, it's... Does the do you have to pay a separate like father fee if the father gets skin on skin contact too? I don't know. Hmm. You know, I don't. I haven't looked at the charges for that. <laughs> but you know, the problem is the reason why they list out these separate charges as part of let's say the package because when Parker was born, I think it was about twenty grand, and it was a everything was fine, complete yeah. normal birth. Um, and it was ended up being about twenty grand when when you include everything. Um, and the reason why they do all of that is because, well, really there's a contractual rate with your insurance company. So that 20 grand is never going to be paid yeah. ever. Yeah. Um, so the prices that Joe or J O E, whatever this website, uh, is using, those aren't prices that people actually ever pay. Even if you're paying cash, you're going to get a massive discount yeah, for all of that. And that's the problem we get with quotes on how much our healthcare system costs. That's a really big problem with that because we're constantly using these numbers like, you know, 30 grand for doing this and no one ever gets paid 30 grand to do that. They know it's going to get worked down through contractual adjustments. Uh, you know, they know what they're actually going to end up receiving. Maybe they want 10 grand uh, actually for it. So they charge 30 because they know it's going to continually get, get negotiated down. After well, they because make you're going to pay 20% of that. So let's say it's 20 grand. You're going to pay 20% of that. So it's going to be four grand for you. And then your insurance is going to pay about four grand. Yeah. And so they get eight. 
Yeah. But they charge 20 and they get eight. Yeah. That's, that's basically the way it works. And eight's probably about right for them to pay for your stay, the doctor, the nurses, all the equipment, the, you know, the time of people being there, all of that. And then to make a little bit of profit. And that is the problem when we talk about healthcare expenses. I want to stress this again, that eight that Charlie just said, that is not the number that we are quoting for what things cost. The 20 is what people use for what things that's cost. What he was, that's what he was using. Yeah. And no one ever got paid that much money, yeah. ever. And the other important thing, something you talk about a lot, is on this contractual adjustment. You know, your insurance is supposed to pay 80% of whatever the bill is from the hospital. So when you get charged 20 grand, well, you pay your four grand up front because there's your 20% of the fee. And then you would think, well, that means the insurance company is going to pay 16. Well, that's not actually what happens. The insurance company has their own negotiated contractual adjustment on whatever their rate is afterwards. So they end up paying four, maybe. And so at the end of the day, you ended up actually paying 50% of what the actual money paid out was. Exactly. And so it is, it is a messed up system. No one's saying that the, this system is perfect or anything like that. And no one, you know, what would have been interesting is if they would have asked these people how long they think people in the U.S. have to wait to get tests and to get procedures done. Because they might have said, oh, I don't know, five, six months. And then the guy would have been like three days. Right. Yeah. And then, would have been, oh, I don't know, nine, nine, ten months or something like that. And the guy would have been like 12 days. Shut the fridge. Yeah. That's Shut amazing. The fridge. You get service in 12 days. <laughs> yeah. Like that has no value added right. whatsoever to right. be able to do that. So that's something that, that obviously that person was not going to be interested in talking about in that video. Maybe we should go around and ask people, actually, you know what? We should go ahead and book some tickets and go over to uh, the UK and ask people how long they think people have to wait we for, should. for an MRI. We should. Yeah. And when they say like a certain amount of months, we'll just be like, uh, one week. One week is what you got to wait to do that. So, and if, it, you know, if it's potentially life-threatening, uh, you know, 10 minutes, something like that. Are you mad? <laughs> <laughs> I got a CT scan within an hour of being in the emergency room, you yeah. know, and I'm sure they do that kind of stuff too, but I just don't like it when these videos only present one side of the actual equation here. And obviously they're using faulty statistics the entire time and they're able to make a very effective video. This video has been played millions of times yeah, and uh, you know, it's got, it's gone viral. And it just helps feed the idea that we need to go to a government-ran healthcare system, you know. And uh, who cares if <clears throat> if you know? Who cares about like the Charlie Guard story? Yeah, where, where the government actually prevents you from getting care that could save your life. Yeah, who cares about that? Which we'll talk about here in a second. The yeah. title of this is: Should the FDA be held responsible when they withhold? life-saving life medications. Mm. So we'll talk about that here in a second because of this other story that we have. But, but first. But first, let's talk about this article. It's called Trump's Big Healthcare Win. So this is something that we had suggested as yeah. part of the healthcare problem that could actually help reduce the cost. Now, yeah, we'll go ahead and tell the story. Yeah. <laughs> so Trump's Big Healthcare Win. Hospitals must disclose prices starting in 2021. This is from Yahoo News. New federal regulations finalized on November 15th require hospitals to make public all the prices they negotiate with insurers and health plans starting in 2021. The aim is to untangle the hospital marketplace with a wave of consumer-friendly information that will promote competition that leads to lower costs. Hospitals are not happy, but advocates of well-informed, patient-centered health care should be cheering. 
I'm a professor of health policy at the Price School of Schaefer at the Price School and Schaefer Center at USC and have published several papers and worked with startups that aim to improve price transparency and consumer decision making. I am among those cheering. That's not me, that's the person who wrote this article. Real numbers, real comparisons. Hospitals already post online their so-called standard or charge master rates for the thousands of codes used in their billing systems. Almost nobody actually pays these rates. That's exactly what we've been saying. <laughs> they are intentionally inflated prices that give hospitals an edge in negotiating with insurers. You don't say. Under the new regulations, hospitals, which account for one-third of all healthcare costs, also <laughs> have to divulge the actual rates paid by health plans and insurers for those same codes. To help consumers make apples-to-apples comparisons, hospitals will be required to go beyond the individual codes and post their negotiated rates for a list of 300 so-called shoppable services that consumers might examine before selecting a provider. This requires hospitals to link services that usually accompany each other, such as laboratory and pathology charges, along with surgery. As for insurers, there is still a two-month public comment period before new regulations become final. As drafted now, the new law would force insurers to disclose negotiated rates as well as rates paid for out-of-network treatments. They would also have to give cost information to consumers in advance. So, You ever wonder why you pay more for out-of-network? Because they don't have contractual yeah, rates with they those. They don't have that adjustment. <laughs> exactly. Yeah. So you'll see, by the way, come back and listen to this episode and tell me I'm right. A $20,000 charge you pay for, the insurance pays for. You'll start to see that, by yeah. the way, when these prices come out. Now, look, I've always said that I don't think it is right for the government to force businesses to do this. Yeah. However, this will actually bring costs down. It can. It, it has the potential. There's some issues because we're still not operating in a free market where you can just freely choose to go wherever you want. Right. You're still limited. It's not like you've got 50 different uh, health insurers out there that you can choose from because you're but, but unhappy with Blue Cross's contractual <laughs> adjustment and, and it, what they pay out. It'll definitely lay the groundwork yeah. because they're going to come under a lot of scrutiny from yeah. this. And so public outcry and you know the market dollars will definitely, I think, make an impact on healthcare costs in this situation. Now, it may take some time, um, but this is definitely going to be a good thing. And you'll see what happens. Now, look, I don't Obviously, there are very few people who know about the contracts and know what they actually say. Uh, there's, you know, groups of people at these healthcare facilities that, you know, take care of these contracts and work on them, and they have to be renewed, et cetera. But uh, I, I can tell you a roundabout, like the example that I gave, where the hospital charges twenty thousand and the insurance pays for, and you pay for, and then they get their eight. And so you'll start to see those rates come out and what the actual uh, in-network costs are and out-of-network costs and those different adjustments and contractual rates versus what you pay. And I think that, like I said, is going to cause some scrutiny uh, from the market and there's going to be some public outcry. And, and ultimately, I think that hospitals will start to lower their prices and become, uh, what would you say, they would they would present a more fair market price yeah. for their services because now, since they're going to be public, consumers can choose what facility they go to. So in a place like Nashville, you know, you have 20, 30 different hospitals that you can choose from. Yeah. You know, yeah. You, there's hell downtown. There's, you know, at least 10, yeah. 15 hospitals. Most of them suck. <laughs> uh, but, 
But, you know, you have Vanderbilt and St. Thomas, and then you have Nashville General, which is supposed to be a, you know, city nonprofit hospital, but it's absolutely atrocious. It's terrible. Look at their ratings are god awful. Yeah. You have Centennial, and then just outside of Nashville, you got all kinds of, there's all kinds of healthcare facilities and hospitals that you can go to. And as you start to look at prices, I mean, this is what I do. Yeah. I call around and I get the best price. I was literally with you when you were calling around looking Mm -hmm. for the best price for your surgery. I was trying to see what the cheapest price you could get and what you were actually going to have to pay. Now that's because you, you were paying cash payment. You weren't right. gonna, you weren't worrying about any kind of contractual adjustment afterwards. Exactly. So they you were able to get a cash payment price from several different people and shop around and find the lowest price. And I can give you an example. When I called one hospital, what their surgery room rate was, so I could get my surgery done, they quoted over the phone to me fifty five thousand dollars. <laughs> And when I said, whoa, that seems a little high, Jamie, I don't know what his name was. I don't remember. I was like, hey, (laughs) Jamie, that seems a little high, don't you think? He goes, well, that's the price if you have insurance. A cash price is $5,250. So over 90% reduction in price for the room charge if uh, if if you don't have insurance. There's a couple reasons for that. One, the insurance is that that price is never actually going to be paid. But two, they are going to make you pay a little bit more if you have insurance just because they it it's such a ridiculous hassle to collect from insurance companies. Yeah. Yeah, they're going to have to there spend are, months trying to get that money. There are giant corporate facilities like literally 15 floors. Yeah. Like full pa- of people. Like Paralon. Yes, full <laughs> of people just trying to collect they're, they're on the phone with the insurance all the time, and they're just trying to collect on your bill. And it takes a lot of manpower, a lot of technology, a lot of different innovations and things just to get the money in the door. It's yeah. a massive hassle. And I had the same thing. I had a cash payment surgery a couple of years ago. I've talked about this before. Um, I was able to go around and get the best prices possible. I ended up paying about 8000 total for the surgery cash, which was... Not that bad, honestly, when you think about the value of what you're receiving when you get a surgery. I mean, it's 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 pretty important stuff. That's one thing we forget is to ask ourselves, what is this actually worth in relation to all of the other things that I'm willing to pay a lot of money for? How much are you willing to pay for your car? What are you willing to pay for your house? What are you going to pay for a cell phone? What are you going to pay for something that's going to save your life? How is that automatically no money value attached to it? And your, and your car is more important than a life-saving operation. You know, it doesn't make any sense. Our, our, our value structure is completely off base. Well, you can make the same comparison in other things in life. I saw a meme yesterday where it said, like, you know, gym membership, $100, uh, can't do that. Too expensive. Uh, going out to dinner on a date. Yeah. Hundred bucks. Yeah. Oh, we can do that once a week. Yeah, no problem. You know? No, <laughs> it's four times as much in one month yeah. than it would cost you to do a gym membership. But, oh. We can't do the gym, but we sure can eat out four times a week. I was looking at Apple TV and and I was like, it's five bucks a month. You know, do I really need another another TV program to watch or like 10 more like what they have that look pretty decent? I was like, that's one time to Starbucks right there. That's just one time. Yeah. One time a month to Starbucks and you can have that TV. And you Some start, people go to Starbucks every day. I know. I know. Seven days a week. That's $35 a day. We're talking to you. $35 a week. We're talking to you, wife. No, <laughs> not really. No, but well, uh, think about that. $35 a week and then times four weeks, you're looking at 140 bucks a month. 
It's pretty good. Starbucks should start a, a subscription service, I think. You're, you're One person is paying their electric bill. Yeah. Did you see Burger King started a subscription thing, a coffee subscription? No. Yeah, you pay, uh, I don't know what the exact number was. It was maybe five, $5 a month, and you can come and get free coffee anytime you want. And they're still, they're still making a lot of money on that. Well, it's genius because you telling me you're going to go through the drive through and get a coffee and not go ahead and get that sausage biscuit too. Right. I mean, come on, you're going to get the biscuit and coffee literally costs them about two cents. Yeah. Yeah. That's a genius plan mm -hmm. on their part. Okay. This last story, we gotta, we gotta get this in cause this is the biggest one. This is the title story right here. Is this Gilead or Gilead? Uh, Gilead. Gilead. Okay. Me? Oh yeah. Well, I'll, I'll go. Um, <laughs> wait, I'll go. Okay. Okay. You go. All right. Gilead delayed safer <laughs> HIV drug to extend monopoly profits advocates allege. So this is from the Washington post in 2005 Gilead sciences notified federal regulators that it was suspending development of a potentially safer, more potent HIV fighting drug than the one on the market. The company did not restart its Food and Drug Administration application until 2010. Now the five-year delay of a promising drug is at the core of accusations by advocates that Gilead improperly exploited the patent system at the expense of patient health. An HIV prevention group called a bunch of letters, looks like prep for all, so it looks mm -hmm. like, collaboration filed a petition Wednesday with the U.S. Patent and Trademark Office contending Gilead knew its new improved drug approved in 2015 and now part of Gilead's combination therapies. Uh, let's see. Genvoya. Genvoya and Descovy was safer, but it alleged Gilead postponed development so it could continue to gain monopoly profits from its older combination HIV drugs, including, uh, let's see, Vareed and Truvada for a longer period before those drugs went off patent and faced generic competition. Okay, so we can we can basically gather from this story. Here's here's the deal. They already had a drug on the market. That drug still had a patent that was going to last for the next few years. They developed a new drug that was better than the one that they currently had on the market. And instead of releasing that drug at that time, they wait, they're waiting until the patent expires for the current drug that they have. So they have a drug that is potentially safer and could potentially save more lives, but they're waiting to release it so they can soak up all the money from their current patent that they have out there. So this is, you know, it's hard to come down with an objective and non-emotional response to a story like this. You know, I saw this tweeted out by none other than Bernie Sanders, of course. That's, yeah, of how, course. that's how I saw this story. And this is this is the idea that the for-profit system in healthcare leads to greed, which is uh, leading to deaths. And uh, that, that when they hold these patents and you can't get cheaper and generic drugs out there, then people are dying because of that. And look at this profit motive. They've got a better life-saving drug that they're waiting to release so they can soak up the most amount of money off of it that they can. So how is that idea not going to lead you to believe that profit is evil, that for-profit healthcare is evil, and that we need the government to come in and take it over? Yeah. Gilead's evil. It's a perfect story. They're evil for creating these drugs yeah. and then holding it over your head. Yeah. But the thing that, the, here's the question to ask is what, why would Gilead hold a drug that they have? Why would they hold it? 
there's a there's a key phrase in here. What's that? There's a key phrase in this article. Um, let me find it here. That they oh oh I found it. The company did not restart its Food and Drug Administration application until 2010. <laughs> so why in the world? See, here's the problem: is they have to get approved by the FDA, and if the FDA didn't exist, they would have brought this newer drug to market to compete with the other competitors who were still running generics off the worst medication, let's say. Yeah. So the the whole crux of the problem here is the FDA. Yeah. That's it, the actual problem. It normally is. It's not the fact that Gilead was withholding for monopoly, greedy money purposes, even if they were. It's the FDA, actually, because... They, they had no incentive. There was zero incentive for them to release the new drug. The, zero incentive. So the tweet that I saw in response to this was that Gilead needed to be held responsible for the people that were going to die because they would not release this newly invented drug. And they actually can't. That's a really weird situation, though, because what if they wouldn't have invented it? Right. Then who was responsible for those people's deaths? Well, they're responsible for not inventing it. And that, so I responded to the person. <laughs> I said, well, can I hold you responsible for not inventing a life-saving drug? Like, you can't imply that the drug was just going to exist without this entire system that created the drug. You know, it was the whole system that made this drug that didn't exist in the first place. And now because it didn't get released in a certain year... You're saying that that company is responsible for the people that died because they couldn't have that drug. What about all the people that died in the years previous to when they invented that drug? Were right. they not responsible for the lives of those people somehow through this completely subjective ideology? Prior to, prior to 2005. Yeah. How can they not be responsible for those people? They should have invented the life-saving drug way sooner than this. They must be responsible. They, they have to be. So I was trying to draw some comparisons with this. If you use a different market, let's say that Ford announced that they had invented a new airbag that made cars 100% safe. So they invent the new airbag. It makes cars 100% safe. Now, does Ford then have to make sure that they replace all the airbags and all the current vehicles that are out there on the market? Or do they need to wait until their new model comes out and put the airbag in that car? Are they responsible for the people that die in car accidents? because of this or because they didn't have this new airbag they must be so when they invent a safer vehicle are they then responsible for all the people who died in the previously less safe vehicles and if they've already invented this technology do they now have to make sure that everyone who is driving a vehicle must be driving a vehicle with this brand new safer technology or is it just going to be a new model that they're going to release in 2022 <clears throat> no, they Some, need something they need, like that. They need to pay reparations. But that's the problem. Like we talked about yesterday, you you know, there's never any kind of overarching principle that that encompasses all of this. There's never one objective principle. It's all completely subjective. That depending on what day it is and what the sentence is and what the market is and how you feel every single day. For all we know, these people would have been saved if they could have duct taped a banana to, a banana to the wall, you know, <laughs> and sold it. Yeah. So. Now, Charlie, the question I have for you is if Gilead is responsible for the people 
who are going to die while they have this life-saving drug that they've invented and has not been released yet. Should the FDA be held responsible for the people who have died that could have been saved by every single drug that they've not approved or that they've delayed over the entire course of their existence? Are they, are they responsible for well, that? Following the logic mm. presented yeah. by the activist here, yes. It, you would think so yes. because if you're, I mean, you're saying here's a drug that could save lives and they're not releasing it. Therefore they are responsible for the people who die from that ailment. How many drugs does the FDA delay or approve? What is the process for how long it takes to get a drug approved? Like 10 years where it was just some kind of bureaucratic nightmare that had nothing to do with the safety of the drug whatsoever. How many people died while they were waiting on that to get produced or to get approved at that point in time. It would be the FDA's fault. Is this same person going to argue, is Bernie Sanders going to argue that the FDA should be held criminally liable for those people who died at that point in Here's time? Here's another question. What about the drugs that, FD, that the FDA does approve that then still kills people? Yeah. So they, I mean, they put their stamp of approval on they it. They approved it. What about yeah. all the, you know, what about all the meats and greens and stuff that go through USDA inspection. And yet we still have outbreaks. Yeah. You know, what about, you know, there's a certain number or there's a certain percentage of, you know, mouse droppings that can be in your beef, yeah. by the way. So there's what a if, number, there's a number of spiders you're allowed to let into your, into the what food. If, <laughs> what if they allow too much and somebody gets sick? Is the FDA responsible for that? Never. I mean, they put their they put their stamp of approval it's, on it. It's FDA. When anytime this E. coli outbreak happens, it was an FDA approved E. coli outbreak. E. coli <laughs> outbreak. That right. E. coli outbreak passed FDA approval at that yeah. point in time. So I wanted to read the story real quick before we have to close out. So this has to do with the FDA not releasing, not allowing a drug to come to the market that could have saved lives. This is from the American Council on Science and Health. In his recent opinion piece published in the New York Post, ACSH friend and former trustee and former FDA official, Dr. Henry Miller questions the FDA's decision to grant permission for expanded access to experimental Ebola drugs while products desperately needed to treat deadly diseases in the United States are still awaiting approval. Dr. Miller references uh, Bexero, a vaccine for meningitis B, and pyrfinidone, a drug meant to treat idiopathic pulmonary fibrosis. Both drugs were approved by the European Union and Canada, yet the FDA still has not given the okay in the U.S. The delays of these drugs have had deadly consequences. Meningitis B outbreaks continue to occur on college campuses, and an estimated 40,000 people die each year from IPF. The FDA bases priorities on factors other than data and the nation's medical needs. Africa's Ebola outbreak is front-page news, so the FDA grants expanded access for an Ebola drug, Dr. Miller ex explains. So that there's just one instance right there. Just one. That's one. You know that there's a whole lot more. There's more. Where 40,000 people die a year from IPF. Is that what it was? Yes. Yeah, idiopathic uh, pulmonary fibrosis. 40,000 people dying from that, and there's a drug that is awaiting FDA approval. The companies invented it, by the way. They've invented it. They're, they're waiting. trying to get it to market. They're trying to get it to market. They're waiting for the FDA to approve them, and people are dying. It's been approved by the EU and Canada. Yeah, 
other countries are we're already on, allowing this drug. I know what it is. Yeah. We're waiting on Mexico to approve it. Then it's good. Then. Okay. Only then can we. That makes sense. Can we approve it? Yeah. That makes more sense. I like it. Yeah. So where's the logic here where um, Gilead should be held responsible because they didn't release a drug in 2015 that they had invented, but the FDA, uh, totally good. They're good. No problem. Oh, they're just um, taking way too long to approve drugs that need approval right now. But no, they're not responsible for people that are dying. Of course not. They're not responsible for that. No, no way. No way can they be held responsible. As you, if you can't tell, the reason why government is such an inefficient, bogus process is like we want to chastise Gilead for withholding a medication that they invented themselves but we don't chastise the gross inadequacy and inefficiency of government regulators that we didn't even elect, by the way. These are just unelected bureaucrats who ultimately get to decide whether or not you get to try a life-saving drug. And guess what? You just get to die because the FDA is not going to approve it. Yeah. And yet we, we hold Gilead's feet to the fire and let the FDA run rampant. It's just unbelievable to me. With, I, I just can't stand it. And then you have to somehow make the argument that it would have been better if Gilead didn't exist and the drug had never been invented in the first place. Somehow we'd all be better off. Or make the argument that <laughs> FDA, that the, the it, Gilead should be consumed by the FDA and let the government run it. Yeah. Really? Because the you, government's really good at innovating and creating new things. Yeah. They're really good at that. They're they're not even, they're actually, I mean, as you can tell here, they're good at releasing life-saving drugs. Yeah. Clearly they're not. They're not even good at that. It's just. Not uh, only can they not make the drugs, they can't even approve the drugs that other people have made. There's even here, uh, there's more. Promising manel, uh, melanoma and leukemia drugs still not approved. Uh, there's a bunch of drugs there. Um there's a good, when it starts bold right there, that starts how they made their decision on not approving it. Yeah. It's in the clinical trials was a theoretical construct and not grounds for approval. Really? <laughs> the disappearance of disease dem demonstrated by the clinical trials was a theoretical construct. Um, what, what else is a clinical trial? Yeah. It's does a, it, how does that even make any sense? The FDA's committee voted seven to three against recommendation for approval. This is for something called Genesense. I don't know if it's been approved since then. None of the members of the committee were CLL experts, and there are allegations of conflict of interest in two of the voting members. <laughs> this is just ridiculous. You can't make this stuff up, man, and we shouldn't be laughing because this is serious. People are dying, and there are, there are literally medications sitting in files at the FDA waiting to get approved. And it's costing billions of dollars for these companies who front all this money to create these drugs. And then they just have to wait for like 10 years. I mean, dude, we've been waiting on nine months for our trademark to show up for Good Morning Liberty. That's ridiculous. We actually got it, didn't we? We didn't get the actual trademark. We got an email saying that it got approved. Oh, okay. Yeah. No, we're still waiting. Said it can take up. It said it could take up to nine months for the trademark to come in. Wow. They have to put some numbers in a computer system and send a piece of paper that says that we have a trademark and it's been nine months now, but these people should be creating the medications. Yeah. You guys are right. They would be way better at making life-saving drugs for sure. Look, I don't even know where to begin. I'm so pissed. <laughs> All right, guys. Well, uh, Charlie's <laughs> got to get on the, <laughs> Charlie's got to get on the phone. Uh, so I actually don't know. Oh, you don't No. Okay. Well, in that case, let me say everything a lot slower.
<laughs> we have way more time now. Jeez, you should have oh, warned let's me. Let's do a relaxed outro. <laughs> I need some saw. Okay. After let's, that. Uh, yeah, I feel heated after this. You know, because there's like, I don't know, there's other um, clinical trials and stuff happening all the time. And you, there's so much paperwork and everything has to be absolutely perfect or the FDA will scrutinize every single piece of it. Oh, all, yeah, like you put the wrong date on something. and the, All and in the name of out. supposed safety. Yeah. When clearly 40,000 people a year are dying from something. So it's it's better in the government's eyes. It's better that forty thousand people a year go to the slaughter in death from this horrible disease, than allow for the drug to come out and see what happens. Yeah, so, somehow better. I just don't understand. I just what if what if I there was just comprehend it? What if there was a crazy system where the company released the drug? And they said, just so you guys know, this has not officially been approved by the FDA. This is what we did in the clinical trials. This is how everything turned out. The FDA has not approved the drug, just so you guys know. But this drug exists. If you want to try if it. If you want to try it because you're going to die this year, then try this drug. And then if a bunch of people die, everyone dies from the drug. Well, first off, obviously, um, I don't think they'll want to release that because they're not going to make much money off of that that would defeat the point well let me let, let me go even further than that you're gonna die anyway yeah they're already gonna die yeah you're gonna be one of the forty thousand people that's gonna die from ipf so you try the drug would you try it yeah, yeah. i would yeah. yeah i'm already gonna die which in a maybe i won't if i take the drug in trump's defense i do think that they've re, uh, relaxed some of the restrictions on taking experimental drugs that that hadn't been approved yeah. yet for for terminal terminally ill patients i guess so um that is something that they have done and they should do that you should be allowed to take an experimental medication that you don't know what it's going to do hey you're going to die in a few months take this pill this pill might kill you but you're going to die in a few months anyway. It might save your life. I would take the pill. You can eat you can eat experimental food. Yeah. You know? In fact, <laughs> I think that's a like a genre of food, isn't it? I guess. Exotic experimental food. I don't want to be involved <laughs> in that kind of stuff. We do experimental art all the time. Yeah. You know? Just imagine if the FDA could find some kind of way to duct tape these medication bottles to a wall so they can make money off of this approval process because of the art that that would create. I think well, that's a better way. I think the problem is we don't have any humorous, minimalist pharmaceutical companies. <laughs> and if we had humorous, minimalist pharmaceutical companies, the seal of approval would come in the form of duct tape. Yeah, I can't wait for the commercial for the new drug comedian <laughs> to, <laughs> to come out. <laughs> oh, all right. Well, I think that's all the time we got for today, folks. So I'm going to take Nate's part this time. Okay. Um, what I need you guys to do is go to goodmorningliberty.us. Check out all of our articles. Facebook, hit us up. Good Morning Liberty. We're approaching, I think, 12,000 followers. So uh, go ahead and become one of those. You don't want to miss all the good things happening there. Follow us on Instagram at goodmorningliberty. And hit us. Slide into our Twitter DMs <laughs> at Liberty. Uh, good AM Liberty, which means good morning Liberty, by the way. Yeah. But Twitter would not allow us to have that because it was technically too long. Yep. For their field of approval. 
Too many so, characters. So at Good AM Lib- Liberty on the tweets. Um, and then go to our shop. That's how you can support the show. I see, I've see. i seen some uh, orders come through the last couple of days, which is awesome. We're extending our Cyber Monday Black Friday sale, uh, which you can enter the promo code podcast. That's just podcast, all one word, and 20% off of your orders. So money comes to us. You save money. You get goods. That's the free market. Everybody's happy. The bank makes some money off the transaction fees. <laughs> everybody's happy in that situation and we get to keep doing the show for you for free. Yeah. It's a free show. It is. You're just free. buying a shirt. You don't have to buy a shirt to listen to the yeah, show. But you don't even way. have to buy one. But no, but the you, shirt, you know, we have one that says libertarian. We have one that says capitalism is greater than socialism. You know, it's a little greater than sign. Yeah. And, uh, you know, we've got taxation is theft. Taxation is theft. Shall which not be it infringed. Is. All, all kinds of good shirts out there. So you guys can get your political viewpoints out there. Like Maybe I am. should make a banana duct tape to a wall shirt. I Yeah, I will. No, those are going to be higher priced. Obviously. And I don't know if the promo code will work. No promo code, art. minimum purchase. If you buy more than $100,000 worth of product on that, we will do free shipping, though. Yeah. 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 Free we'll shipping. promise that. <laughs> no guarantee on the banana being in good shape, no. though. No, no guarantees. So, guys, thank you so much for listening today and listen to us just jabber on about healthcare. We do this because we think this is the best way to create the best life for the most amount of people. I think you guys agree with that too. So, tell your friends about the show. If you guys do all this stuff that we've been telling you, especially getting that duct tape banana out there, then we'll be right back here again tomorrow. Until then, have a good day and a good morning, Liberty.